with an argument starting, we'd start laughing because we've already had that argument. Yeah. There's no new arguments after 25 years. No, I guess not really. <laughs> and so we just, we'd laugh and go on because we already knew the outcome and we just do it her way. <laughs> My name is Paul Harvey and this is Life, Passion and Business. We're about helping you explore, finding your passion for life and the work that you do. But it's so much more than that. It's about finding clues to the big life questions. What does it mean to be successful? What is the meaning of life? If you're looking for more, then join me on this journey, where together we will discover through interviews, tools and tips, how to live life full of meaning, passion and purpose. In this show, we hear about a life well lived. It's about a partnership, friendship, love and loss. It's about a story of consistency, and he claims insanity, as he met and married a woman with five children. What I love about this conversation is rich with the secrets to living a happy life. My guest is Charles Reed. He's a Vietnam War veteran, and with his wife, he created one of the largest payroll companies in the US. He also wrote the definitive book on the subject of payroll. The payroll bit leaves me a bit cold, but our talk has nothing to do with numbers or accounts. Charles graduated high school in 1966, but he did not want to go to college. He had a few jobs before he joined the Marine Corps, serving four years with a tour in Vietnam. He returned to the US and settled in Kansas City, where he met and married the love of his life with her five children. While he claimed insanity, it was clearly a match well made, as they were together for 45 years before she passed. As he says, she was the one that made the desert flowers bear fruit. Now in the military, he was IBM trained in both DOS and COBOL programming, on leaving the services, he could not get work that fitted his skill set. So he went back to college and got a BBA and an MBA, and he discovered he liked accounting so much that he went on to become a certified public accountant, a CPA. He found work with Texas Instruments as a financial analyst. Charles was in at the beginning of the computerized accounting and payroll, and that was the start of his journey. He left Texas Instruments in 1991 to set up a mobile payroll and account service from a van. There was an opportunity to provide a service to small operations that did not have computers, so he brought one with him. That business is still thriving by changing and shifting with the technology over the last 30 years. At one time they had branches across the US, and of course with modern communication those offices have now closed, and they operate from 48 states, all from the Dallas location. Our conversation explores the history of his life journey. It's about his values and what it takes to stay motivated. As I said at the beginning, my conversation with Charles is rich with the secrets to living a happy life. You know, the man is fit and active at 72 years old and he plans to live to 106. And I think he'll make it. He has a lower resting heart rate than mine. <laughs> Let's join the conversation with Charles Reed. Welcome to the program, Charles. Thank you for taking the time to be with me. Uh, my pleasure, Paul. Thank you for having me. So this is life, passion and business. And we're all about the story, about how it all evolved for you. I can see you're a gentleman of a certain age, so you must have a long story, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Too long, I'm afraid. <laughs> 
the way that way did it start for you how did you know because it's all about this journey that we're on that's what we're talking about today so how where did it all begin for you well I'm, I'm a midwestern boy i grew up in iowa went to high school there after high school i worked for a few months did not want to go to college uh was tired of stupid teachers and stupid classes Wait, what sort of year was this give us an idea of what we're talking about i graduated from high school in 1966 wow okay all right so so that would have been really traditional education wouldn't it yeah i mean my parents were university graduates uh my sisters my older sisters had all gone to college uh my eldest one had already graduated and moved on but i didn't want to so i joined the military i joined the united states marine corps right uh spent uh, four-year enlistment with them Served in the U.S., served overseas. Was a, I'm a Vietnam combat veteran. Wow. Uh, when I came back, I was stationed in Kansas City, met and married my wife. Mm -hmm. uh, she had five children when I married her. Uh, I claim insanity. Yeah, well, okay. All right. But, but we were married for 45 years before she passed. Hmm. So it worked. <laughs> Don't ask me how, but it worked. Uh, she was the love of my life, the light of my life. The one who made the desert flowers bear fruit. I miss her dearly. She'd been mm. gone six years. Yeah. yeah. So after I got out of the military, married kids, I found that business did not value my military experience then as what they were, don't what now. Was, what, was you in, what were you doing in the military? I mean, what was... I, mean, you... I was a computer programmer and systems engineer trained up by IBM. Oh, okay. I was a COBOL programmer. I was a DOS systems engineer. <clears throat> I had huge qualifications. Yeah. One company I, I interviewed with here in Dallas had was moving from 1401 to 360, two old computer systems. Yeah. Moving from autocoder to COBOL. Yeah. I had just been spending the last year in my military, I spent helping to rewrite the joint unified military pay system. Moving from 1401 to 360 so you had all the skills. to COBOL. And yeah. they didn't think my skills applied to the civilian world. It was the only time in my life I told a recruiter he was an idiot. Yeah, well, he was. <laughs> he was. And, and five years later, the company went out of business, and I know why. Yeah. They recruited the wrong people. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Very, very likely. So, obviously, so, you know, I mean, obviously, you had a lot of skill sets. But as you said, they weren't recognized outside of where you were at, were they? They weren't. And so I figured I'd had to go to college to get my credentials. Not that it, it, not that it made that much difference in my knowledge, but I had to have the credentials to get in the door. Mm. So I went and got my BBA and my MBA, found I enjoyed accounting. So I sat for and passed my CPA exam while I was still in graduate school uh, and went to work for Texas Instruments as a financial analyst. What is strange? Forgive me. I kind of this is yours. This is about the story. We're all into the story here. I mean, when you do a military career and you go into the military, you obviously form a real bond with the guys around you. How did you find coming out of the military, going into the into city street where people don't do what you tell them to? That sort of stuff. How did how did that work with you? Not well. <laughs> Not well at all. It, it was a it was a major adjustment. Uh, because in the military, it's very hierarchical. Yeah. And you either jump for them or they jump for you. Well, precisely. And you get stuff and, and, and stuff happens. Whereas. <laughs> well, I, I my greatest asset in overcoming that was my wife. Right. Ruth was one of those people that everybody loved. 
Mm. Even people she couldn't stand would consider her their best friend. Everybody loved my wife. Right. The biggest question in our married life was why'd she marry me? But <laughs> it, it worked for us uh, again. So uh, she helped me learn how to better relate to people and handle people. She had an old phrase. I was the balloon that took her up to show her sights she could never imagine. Mm. And she was the anchor that kept me grounded from just flying away into never, never land. Fair enough. So our skill sets were substantially different. Yeah. I was very much analytical. She was very much amiable. Everybody loved her. Yeah. I, I was get the job done and screw you. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, so it was that combination for us was very successful. It got, I pushed her to places she wouldn't have otherwise gone. She kept me grounded from doing stupid things. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, that's why we went into business together 30 years ago. Right, 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 right. So obviously, you, as you said, you lo- you you liked accounting. Accounting was the thing that that, that, that floated your boat as such <coughs> after everything else. Yes, I mean, so accounting in in the sixties and seventies, I would have thought was very much pen and paper, wasn't it, or was it just getting into computers? No, it was it was already transitioning to computers. Right. Uh, there were still some accounting machines that had sequential tape, uh, but we quickly were into computers. Uh, the major corporations already were computerized. Uh, when I went to work for TI, it was all computerized. A couple of companies I worked for in between still had some paper. In fact, at one I went to, the uh, outside CPA who did the audit still was doing pen and ink uh, ledgers. But when you say computerized, we are talking about a room full of equipment, aren't we here? Oh, of with, course. Uh, yeah, with, with air conditioning in this room and like, you know. Raised floors and air conditioning and cables underneath and everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of tapes I, I, going around and very, very, I loud, very loud teleprinters. One, we bought a... 400 meg hard drive from uh, I think Toshiba for $40,000. Okay. <laughs> you now get 16 gig. I know. Which is on your thumbnail. 40 times that on a card you pick up at Walmart for $595. Yeah. And there's that lovely so, photograph somewhere of IBM unloading their new five megabyte, uh, five megabyte storage device, the size of this sudden truck. They're unloading this bloody thing off the side of the truck. <laughs> Oh, I believe me. I, when I was in the Marine Corps, we used two megabyte disc packs. Yes. That were about that big around and about that tall. And we had like a hundred machines. We kept, we had two guys that did nothing but change disc packs. Wow. So uh, the world has changed Absolutely. substantially Absolutely. since then. So uh, look, you went into accountancy, obviously computers is an early, an early stage. So you were an early adopter, I guess, of, of the, accountancy and into into computers weren't you absolutely and that was the business you started well when we started the business in 91 uh, i did mobile accounting we had a band that had computers and printers and i would go out and do my clients books uh, at their site uh, that's not a new idea that was uh, if you go back to read uh, napoleon hill's think and grow rich mm. he talks about a guy doing that in the 30s all right so it wasn't a new idea it worked well for us, but after a few years, the mobile became unnecessary because with emails and uh, faxes were already in, but emails and fax and online stuff, uh, 
it just became, we got rid of the mobile after about, oh, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, uh, because it just wasn't necessary anymore well, once, because once of electronics. Yeah, once email started to happen and, and computers right. started, to, and, and desktop computers started becoming more more available, I guess. It's, yeah. So yeah. We, we, we canceled that and we kept it in-house and we've grown. Uh, we had an operation. We had a branch in California. We've closed that. Everything's done here out of Dallas. And we do. I, I sold off the accounting portion about 10 years ago to my partner and I kept the payroll. And so I'm only involved in the, in the payroll business for the most part. I, I mean, I do taxes for friends and uh, other people, but for the most part, I, I do payroll. And we do payroll in, in, I think, 47 or 48 states currently all out of here. It's all electronic. Mm. Uh, we seldom do paper anymore. We write very few checks. It's almost all direct deposit. Uh, my uh, forms vendor called me here last year and he said, Charles, what do we need to do to get your business back? And I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> he said, well, we haven't gotten a, an order for forms in you know over a year, you know, instead of every six months. And I cracked up and I said, we just don't use checks anymore. You know, uh, we, we cut our last order down from, I think, 20,000 checks to a, a single box of 2,000 checks because there's a few old timers that still insist on a check or two. But uh, the, the, the world keeps changing on us. So you have to change with it. And that's part well, of the indeed. journey. I mean, in the UK, we're just about to, to I mean, they now put the dates in now. So make tax digital happens or starts in the next tax year and that means all businesses anything over ten thousand pounds will be going completely digital so where's the passion been in it for you what what drives you what what you know what what's i mean you you came out the military so there was obviously something driving you into that and then you what, what is the attraction of accountancy i like the I'm an analytical person, mm. obviously being an accountant, but I like the fact that it's cold, hard, straightforward. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of choices. There's a lot of things you can do, but they're all on paper. There's no emotion involved, right? Uh, there's no, well, I like this or I don't like that. Uh, you know, we can interpret the tax laws in different ways, but they're the tax laws. Uh, they're the accounting rules. You will account for it this way. It will be that way. It balances, it ticks, it ties. Everything is all there. It's not messy. It, it's, it's not like interpersonal relationships. It's not like being a, a psychiatrist and, and having people tell you their tales of woe. I don't want to listen to them. Okay. I, I don't, I don't put up with that. I, I'm very, very poor at HR, which is where my wife was. So again, so valuable is she let them cry on her shoulder and tell them, you know, that's all right. And everything's going to be fine. And I'm going, suck it up and do your job. Okay. You're not a touchy feely type then. I am not a touchy feely type. Uh, my wife would, would, would definitely <laughs> attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you deal with emotions then? Cause you must have them. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do. And, and I did. And as you get older, as you know, Paul, uh, things become less important, uh, controversy, you know, I, I don't let it bother me so much anymore. I just walk away from it. Uh, you know, I, am quite aware that, uh, you know, another 20, 30 years and I'm going to drop dead. 
Though I, though I do say I'm going to die at the age of 106. Okay. Shot Funny. by an irate husband. All right. Well, that's good. <laughs> hey, a man has to have a goal, right? I mean, Nate. <laughs> so the, uh, the emotional portion of life is not as critical now to me at my age. Uh, I, I lost my wife six years ago. Yeah. And I made a conscious decision to continue to live. Yeah. Very frankly, if she were to die today, uh, I'd probably give up. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't be worth it at, at, at this point. Six years ago, I, I made that decision to keep going. Yeah. Um, and I understand now why a lot of elderly men die within days or weeks of their wife's passing. You know, you've been married 50, 60, 70 years. Your life is so entwined. Uh, and mine was pretty well entwined after 45 years, but um, she'd had a stroke and, mm. and lingered for eight years and became more and more disabled. Uh, and so it wasn't a surprise when it happened. And sometimes uh, these things are a release when it gets like that, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Uh, she's in a better place. Yes. Uh, yeah. My, my, my auntie had a, had a stroke and she had four or five years uh, in, in a very disabled condition. And, and, and I did feel for her because she was such an outward person. And to be in that condition, she was, you know, and, and, you know when she did pass, I was like, it was bless her because I loved her. Yeah. But I did recognize the fact that it was the best thing for her in that condition because she was no way she was enjoying life. That's the point. No, I, I mean, Ruth was not. And uh, she'd asked me to help her move on more than once and I, I could not do it. No. So no, that's tough. That really is tough. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that with me. I think it's very valuable. Mm. Yeah. You know, I've lost a wife. I also lost a daughter. Yeah. Oh. We lost our eldest daughter to cancer um, 29 years ago. Wow. And, and this is, this is a, from a business point of view, my clients supported me when my daughter died because it was just Ruth and I at the time. And it took me a number of months to, to get my head back in the game. Mm. And when I looked at what I'd been doing for my clients for several months, I was appalled. It was just, when I finally realized what was going on, it was just shoddy work. Mm. And I apologized to each and every one of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, not one of them had anything bad to say. They just said, we understand. Uh, it's fine. I, I, I'm glad you got your head back in the game, but no big deal. Don't worry about it. Mm. Uh, and then when Ruth had her stroke 15 years ago, uh, she was in ICU for almost a month. Wow. Uh, I'd come into the office in the morning when uh, visiting hours were open about nine o'clock. I'd go to the hospital. I'd stay there until they threw me out late that afternoon, stop back at the office. My staff uh, made the company work. Mm. Uh, they kept it together. Yes. <clears throat> they kept the clients happy. They kept the work going out. I, I was worthless for several months again, mm, sure. uh, because I was far more concerned with Ruth than I was with the business. Mm. Uh, whether that was right or wrong, or that was me. Uh, Ruth was far more important than anything else. So, but Charles, we're not here to make money. Although we do, we're not here. We're here to have an experience. We're here for the journey. We're here for the journey. And we're here to be with people and to connect with people. 
And that's more important than money. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. Because what are we? If, if, if life is just about money, then. Yeah, it, that's that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, now, now, don't get me wrong. Money won't make you happy. It just solves all the problems of being poor. Okay. But it doesn't make you happy. Uh, you can be, you can be happy and be poor. You can be happy and be wealthy. You can be miserable and rich. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've met a number of them over the years. So have okay? I. So have I. <laughs> and, 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 you know, they got all this money and they're miserable. And I'm going, Jesus, what would you be if you were poor? Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how have you kept, I mean, you've had this business for a long time and you've had, through highs and lows, how have you stayed motivated in that? Because it's that's that's quite impressive to stay interested in what you're doing. I like my clients. I like my employees. I like the challenge of dealing with the internal revenue service on a regular basis. We deal with them literally every day. Uh, I like the challenge of, of growth. Uh, I like the challenge of tax problems. Uh, here a number of years ago, I became a U.S. tax court practitioner, which allows me to practice in U.S. tax court, even though I'm not an attorney. Hmm. Okay. It's a very specialized thing. There's only a couple hundred of us. But those kinds of challenges, I continue to learn. I continue to grow as a, uh, as a professional and as a person. Hmm. I read all the time. I, I quit watching TV a number of years ago. Uh, I, I just don't watch it. I find it to be a waste of my time. So I read a great deal. I study. I learn. I learn something new every day. Every day I learn. You're gonna um, you're gonna get to your 106 goal, you know, because that's those are the <laughs> those are the kind of things that make you get there. It's because you're hungry to learn new stuff. And, and I, I don't. It's 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 wonderful to learn. It's wonderful mm. to grow. It's wonderful to be knowledgeable. And I just love it. Uh, I work out physically. I, I have a trainer. And three times a week, she was there at the house this morning, comes in and puts me through an hour of misery. <laughs> but my blood pressure is 118 over 63 well with a done. 49 resting pulse rate. Bloody hell, that's that 49. That's lower than mine. Well yep. done, my friend. And I'm 72 years old. God, wow. I'm carrying an extra 20 pounds. So. Oh, well done. You have you have got healthy stuff there. I'm a runner, and I can't get my I can't get my rate below 65. <laughs> well, it's 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 lifting those weights. Uh, we've been doing that for five years now, three times a week, and it has done wonders. Exercise, whether it be running or weightlifting or whatever is the fountain of youth people they do say actually as you get older resistance training is the key it's that resistance training because because at the point is you lose muscle mass so quickly as you get older yeah and that resistance training keeps it going and it, what it also does it, it triggers growth hormones so it brilliant idea well done when, when i had uh, my last surgery i had some kidney stones removed yeah. and i was out for out of training for like seven eight weeks yeah while it healed up because they had to do it surgically after two months of not working out, I could tell it big time. Yeah. First day back in the gym, we had to cut way back on the, <laughs> on the weights because that, that 40 pound curl just 
wasn't gonna happen. Wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> I couldn't do a forty pound curl, that's for sure. No, no, I couldn't. No, I definitely couldn't do a forty pound curl. But uh, I'm a runner. I'm I'm the one that does the running these days. Well, with my knees from the Marine Corps, I can't run worth a spit so. now. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a great conversation. So, tell me, how do you define success for you? Ah, now that's a great question, because success is not money. It's not position. It's not even knowledge. It's contentment. It's happiness. It's uh, self-sufficiency. It's being able to sit by yourself. It's being able to enjoy your own company. Those are what makes you successful as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Now, a a successful relationship is great. And and I I wish that for everyone. Uh, I have no interest in getting remarried. Uh, Marriage is compromise and communications. And after 45 years of compromises, I don't want to start over again. (laughs) So success for me is being complete within myself, Mm. being happy with who I am, Enjoying the journey, uh, enjoying the growth, enjoying the learning. Those are the things that, that make me happy, that make me feel I'm a success. Uh, money, oh, money's nice. Don't, don't yeah. misunderstand me. But that's not the measure of success. If you measure success based on dollars or possessions or whatever, uh, that's a very shallow way of looking at the world to me. Mm. And I, I feel sorry for those people who are avarice, that they love money. Not what money can do, but money itself. Well, I, I enjoy what money can do. Unfortunately, media and society tend to kind of make these things look important. And that's the problem, really, isn't it? And, and it's, it's, it's not trivial. Don't misunderstand me. It's not a trivial thing. Uh, wealth is, is pleasant. It makes life easier. You know, I have a nice house, a nice car. If I want to go someplace, I go someplace. Uh, those things are nice to be able to do. But that's not success. Hmm. I, can, I can sit home and read and be quite happy. Uh, I have people that I, I love. I have people that I like. I have people that I associate with. Uh, I've gotten to the point in my life that, uh, and being the owner, if somebody is obstreperous or vexatious in my life, I, I shoo them out. Mm. I don't put up with it. I don't mm. have to. That's that to me is is a measure of success. I don't have to put up with people I don't want to, other than the government. But you know. Are you making new friends in life? Do you make new friends? Absolutely. All the time. That's one of the things I think is really, really that's what's so unique about you is that you are still hungry for life and you're still making new friends. Because I find a lot of men I meet are going in the, in the other direction. I, I feel for them because, <clears throat> you know, that, that new friends, uh, n- new people, new places, new things. Yeah, I've got habits, uh, sure. But uh, it's the relationships that make the world run and new ones are always pleasant and always fun. Well, not always pleasant, but <clears throat> if they don't, if they're not pleasant, I don't, I don't uh, keep them very long. <laughs> Well, that's why I love this. But I love this podcast because I get to meet people from all over the world. You know, I mean, like, well, how would I ever get a conversation with you, considering we live four thousand miles apart? You know, it's, it's amazing that we can do this sort of stuff. It is. 
it 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 really is and and that's the the wonders of the digital world now there's some downside mm. uh, people get cocooned in their little uh, digital world and don't get out and that's that's a problem too and they shouldn't uh, you need to it's nice that we can talk it would be better if we could sit down and have a drink together yeah okay so uh, you you can't do it all digitally that's no. a mistake uh, you have to do as much live as you can uh, and particularly you know, when it comes to meeting women, that's a whole different ballgame. You know, digital just doesn't work. No, not really. But hey, you know, <laughs> but you're, you're <laughs> another conversation, another time. So look, I another, mean, another different podcast. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Dating for older men. <laughs> so what, how would you define your contribution to the world? Well, I'm a Rotarian, first of all. Hmm. I've been a Rotarian for more than 25 years. My father was a Rotarian. So I give back through that uh, money, time, expertise. Uh, we help. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Rotary International, but it's a service organization. And we provide things yeah. locally, nationally, and internationally. Uh, there's two, isn't there? There's Rotary and there's another one. And one, one of them has an age limit and Rotary doesn't, I think, isn't it? There's, there's a number of them there's in this yeah. country, Elks and uh, 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 Masons and other things. Mm. Uh, but the Rotary International has been around for, oh, 115 years. Uh, it's the largest of the, the, the service organizations. And, and we do a lot of good things around the world. Mm. Uh, I have set up a scholarship, uh, a memorial scholarship in my wife's name. That's nice. And uh, my estate is going there when I die. So that'll provide a, a, a lasting memorial to her and my love for her. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't build the Taj Mahal. I would if I could uh, to commemorate her life. Uh, so a, a scholarship to me is a, is a way that every year somebody will remember her. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Hopefully forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, certainly and a, leg I, a legacy to leave behind, that's for sure. Absolutely. And then I have a company. It's going to go to the employees when I die. Uh, they ask me when I'm going to retire. I say, well, one of these days you're going to find me dead at the desk. I've retired. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I guess that's the point, isn't it? What would you do if you retired? I mean, how could you? I mean, it's like, what would you do when you retire? I don't understand the whole concept of it. I mean, I do. If you do a heavy, hard, physical job, you cannot carry on doing it. But I can't see me retiring from this kind of stuff. I can't see it happening. I, I can't either. What am I going to do? Sit at home by myself? Yeah. What are you going to do? It's like, you know, no. my wife's passed. If, my, if Ruth was still alive, I, I might semi-retire and we get an RV and travel around the country and, and yeah, do things how, and go places. How long can you do that for? It's like, it's like that's a perpetual holiday. And it's like, I, I get bored on holiday anyway. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that the idea of sitting on the beach yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, Fifteen minutes, maybe twenty. Yeah. And then I, I want to organize a volleyball game or something. I could probably know. sit in the shade with a book, I guess, but for an, an afternoon maybe, and after that, it get a bit boring. Well, a good book—that's a different problem. I'll, yeah. I'll sit there all day, wherever it's at, with a good book. So you know, I've got Kindle Unlimited. I I go through four or five books a week. Wow. Uh, I, I read 
constantly. I don't watch TV. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I use my brain. I, I read very fast. So TV moves so slow as well in comparing to be able to read and read effectively. So it's just no longer entertaining. Do you me. find TV programs have changed? They've, they've, they've dumbed them down so that people can comprehend them. I, I, I think, I think were, so. I think they were more complicated when I was younger and, and they were more, more, more gripping. I'm not sure whether it's them or us. <laughs> Okay. okay. Uh, you know, I've, I've had this conversation with myself and, but I find that there's nothing on TV. Occasionally somebody will get me to watch something and I'll go. So I, I would ask you how you contribute to yourself, but I know how you contribute to yourself. You read, you do all these things. You, you, uh, you, you work out, you are hungry for life. And I think it's just amazing all that stuff. And I cook and I entertain um, and I have people over and I have dinner parties and uh, I entertain uh, younger women. And, uh, you know, it's 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 a good life. Now, don't misunderstand me. If I could have Ruth back. Yes. In, in a heartbeat, I'd give it all up just to have her back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's that's the key is to recognize. Flaws. Mm. Uh shortcomings and try to do something about them. Mm. Try to make the journey work better. Try to have a better vehicle for getting there. Mm. Running, working out gives you a better vehicle to make that journey with. I and mean, you should... we're choosing to put ourselves through hardship. That's the point. I mean, you, you, you know, your workout is hard for you. My running is hard for me. And that's what, we, that's what it's about. It's about choosing our obstacles. Yeah, my workout is both expensive and painful. Okay, <laughs> okay. So it's a double. It's a double. It hits you in the pocket too. Well, at least my running's yeah. free. <laughs> my, my my trainer is not free. I, I promise you, she's not cheap, but she's worth every dime. But it makes me a much better person to be able to continue on this journey. Yeah. And enjoy it. Yeah. And enjoy the people around me and the things around me. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. it 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 what it does for me gives me great joy yeah. i don't enjoy getting there but i enjoy the result of when i'm there yeah, so yeah, yeah. delayed gratification yes uh, that's yes, something yeah. we're all supposed to have learned as small children uh in this current day and age i think a lot of the children didn't learn it uh i think us as baby boomers made grave mistakes a lot of us in raising our children I like to think I did better than average, but don't, oh, I don't ask know. my kids because they, they, they won't are, agree. They are where they are, and and they'll <laughs> and you know, end of the day, each generation does what they do. I, I have a I have a saying, and I'd have to find it, and it's a rant about the current younger generation, and it, it sounds just like you, what you hear from older people today, but it was written by a Roman philosopher over 2000 years ago every, about the upcoming generation. Every generation writes the same about the last one. I think no, because they're all, yeah, because yeah, I know everyone. Does. And, and, and you and I have gotten to the point where we realize that because yeah. we've seen multiple generations behind us and they all go through the same dumb things. Just, I mean, I think one advantage that this next generation's got is that is they've got the, they've all got access to the stuff that we never had access to. You know, when I started personal development in my, in like 30 years ago, and at the time it was, it was books, it was tapes, it was events. 
and that you know Tony Robbins kind of stuff but that happened at those times you know and and, and I start and I learned but but it was literally by reading it was those something but now I mean I've met 19 year olds have come on this podcast who are just as on the money on the button because they've been watching YouTube videos for five years you know they are they are you know I mean where this generation will go I don't know because they are so switched on to the stuff that you and I are talking about and but they switched on in their 20s great but hopefully hopefully there's hope there's hope for mankind yet <laughs> I, I, I hope so <laughs> so tell me what's the one question I haven't asked you that I should have done which is a random question that means you can say anything you like <laughs> Well, you know, I had one random question from a podcaster and her question was, did I put my socks on before I put my pants on? That's a strange one to ask. Uh, and I, I never thought about that. And I said, I don't know. I guess it depends. Uh, on a day like what, today, I haven't put any socks on. <laughs> good for you. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I, you know, we've talked about the journey and, and about where we're going and how we're getting there and, in, in this journey what do i do for fun yeah well, that's a good question actually because I, I think fun is one of those things that gets harder and harder to define as you get older you know, I agree. Run, run, running down a hill as a child was really exciting it doesn't work for me anymore i remember when i got six years old i got my first 20 speed uh, 20 inch bicycle yes red love that bicycle yes and great fun just riding around the block okay because i couldn't cross the streets yet uh, so that was fun that yeah. today it wouldn't be, No, but, uh, no, frankly, getting on a bike and riding a little bit would be fun because now I can do what I want. Yes. I like to play poker. Yeah. Uh, poker is the closest thing you can get to combat and, and, and not get into a fight. Uh, so you're, it's a constant challenge. It's a cerebral challenge, uh, but it's fighting against other people to get their money. <laughs> uh, okay. So I, I play a lot of poker. Uh, which is a lot of fun to me. Uh, I like to play poker tournaments. Uh, I read a lot, which I find to be fascinating. Uh, you learn something new every time you pick up a book, even fiction books. Yes. Um, one of the nice things I love about technology, and I have a huge vocabulary, is I can, if I'm reading something and there's a word in there that I, I think I know from the context, I can highlight it and click search the web and boom, up comes a pronunciation and a definition. I clever. love that. That is clever, isn't it? I wish I had that when I was in high school. Yeah, that is clever. Uh, that's that 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 to me is is amazing and fun. Um, beyond that, I I, uh, I date. Uh, I have several girlfriends, and I have fun with that. So I try to stay young. Hmm. Uh, and as much as I bitch about the workouts, uh, they are fun. I mean, yeah. I've got a great trainer. And it's good exercise and it pumps the endorphins and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, those, the, you know, I interface with my staff. I got a great staff. Um, I, marketing department, videographer, operations. They're, they're really good people. Some have been with me more than 20 years. Wow. Uh, which is fabulous. So it's, um, it's like an extended family by the sounds of it. Oh, it really is. I mean, Deborah, who's my, my right-hand girl. Excuse me for the girl, but I'm an old man. That's was the phrase <clears throat> when I grew up in the office, my father's mm -hmm. office. It was the girls in the office. Okay, yes. so forgive me, but uh, 
she'd been with me and it's it's like being married you know we we we've learned each other over time there were times years ago when she'd leave because i upset her i'd leave because she upset me uh, we don't do that anymore because we know each other too well after 22 <laughs> years so she'd my my work wife if you yeah. if you wish yeah absolutely so and and i think <clears throat> after being married more than 20 years that's part of what happens is the arguments disappear because you've already had them and you already know who's going to win. Uh, so you, you, my wife and I would, would get after 25 years, an argument started and we'd start laughing because we've already had that argument. Yeah. There's no new arguments after 25 years. No, I guess not really. And so we just, we'd laugh and go on because we already knew the outcome and we just do it her way. <laughs> Sorted. Happy wife, happy life. Oh, well, so they say. <laughs> what kind of companies do you work with? Well, we tend to work with smaller firms, under okay. 50 employees, though we do have some larger ones. And so anybody who's interested in getting U.S. payroll done, we'd love to talk to. They can reach me at getpayroll.com. Yeah. Yeah. My email is cjr at getpayroll. And for anybody who's interested, there's my newest book, The Payroll Book, A Guide oh, yes, for Small the- Businesses and Startups. So how, what made you write the book? I mean, what, what could you write a book about payroll? I mean, because I I get asked questions all the time and, and so there's nothing out there. Okay. The only, the only other thing out there is from the American Payroll Association and it's $600. Okay. So I wanted to put together a book for potential clients. It's also now my business card. Uh, We are the company that wrote the book on payroll. Of course. Of course. So if you need payroll, who would you talk to except the people who wrote the book? <clears throat> who, who else would you call first? No, okay. of course, it's perfect. Some bureaucracy, or would you call the guy that wrote the book? Absolutely. absolutely. So that's that's why we wrote the book. Okay. And, uh, and the book is available on Amazon? And, and on Amazon. And frankly, if any of your listeners would like to get it, if they will go to thepayrollbook.com, yep. and under the discount code, put podcast, yep. we'll send them a free one. Okay, well, then we'll put all those details in the no podcast No shipping, notes. handling, no nothing. Just we'll send them a free book. We'll put that de- those details in the podcast notes. Because so if, if they're in interested there. enough to yeah. order a book on payroll, yeah. they're a potential client. Absolutely. <laughs> do you do social media at all? Oh, yeah. We're all over uh, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. But on the YouTube, we got some, some fun videos. Uh, so it we have sounds like you have that. a lot of fun with social media. We as do. Well. We, we have a lot of fun. With, Michael's a great videographer. He yeah. can hear me. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and so we do a lot of educational ones and our clients, I've gotten comments over and over about the educational ones. They love those, but we do periodically, we throw out a fun one. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. Can't, you can't be serious all the time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And if you're fun, you're remembered. That's the point. You do something funny and something memorable. People go, who's that people? Now we saw that video. Where was that one? Oh, you said payroll people. Yeah, it's what happens. You get remembered for it. Exactly. Okay, so all those links will be available on the podcast on the podcast app and on the, at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. So do check out Charles because he's a lot of fun. So, Charles, we get the last question that we ask all of our guests, and it's the big question. What's the meaning of life for you? Happiness. You need to be happy in your life. Mm. And happiness is a choice. So if you choose to be happy, you'll enjoy life. If you choose to be unhappy, 
you won't enjoy life. Whether there is something afterwards or not, I don't know. The only thing I can do is live my life as well as I can, be true to who I am uh, in my nature, be kind to my fellow man, and live till I die. Mm. And I'd rather live happily than unhappily. So I choose to be happy. And I've had some terrible things happen in my life. Loss of a wife, loss of a daughter. I've been fired more than once. Uh, the business is his ups and downs. But I choose consciously to try and be happy. Mm. And so I am most of the time. And life is a lot more pleasant when you're happy. The journey is a lot more pleasant. Absolutely. Well, Charles Reed, you've been a wonderful guest on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me. And it's been an amazing hour we've been speaking. And I hadn't even noticed the time disappear. So thank you so much. It's been such a joy. Paul, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. All the best. Nice to talk to you. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Charles Reed. If you'd like to connect with Charles, you can find him on Facebook and on LinkedIn. They have a Twitter account called Get Payroll. And check out the YouTube account for the various funny videos. You can find them at their website, Get Payroll. And if you'd like a copy of that book, check out the website, thepayrollbook.com. Or catch up with Charles and I'm sure he will send you a copy. All those links will be available at the website, lifepassionandbusiness.com. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend because that's how this ecosystem grows and people like yourself find good podcasts. As always, thank you so much for your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best.